Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. I don't know whether it was the reading of Gangs versus Nazis or the 123 straight Saturdays in class with Carr, but reading They Want to Kill Americans became ever more um, urgent um, as Malcolm Nance surgically lays out step by step what is happening. And um, so he's going to tell us and we got to do something. Let me welcome back to the show the author of many, many books, including this will be a New York Times bestseller. It's already an, uh, an Amazon bestseller. Um, they want to kill Americans, the militia, terrorists, and deranged ideology of the Trump insurgency. Malcolm Nance is here. Hi. Hey, Karen. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I said to you, it's good to see you alive. Uh, <laughs> one of the last times I saw you on television, they were dropping bombs over you in Ukraine. You were like, oh, wait a minute. That came close to me. I'm mad now. I'm, I'm I'm coming to see you, and you went out there, put on your helmet, and got busy. Um, so I'm glad you're still here. Uh, before we get into this book, what what don't we know that's happening right now? Uh, because it's still going on. Uh, I saw a little four year old um, casket this morning. Uh, apparently, she got uh, killed in in one of the raids. Right. What don't we know about what's happening in Ukraine? Well, there's quite a bit about what you don't know, um, principally because the news media is about two weeks behind reality out in Ukraine. And that's, you know, no fault of their own. I mean, I've been involved in media, their editorial process, what stories they think are important relative to what's going on in the United States. So you're not getting the level of news that you had because a lot of the news that they have is repetitious. You know, the Ukrainian armed forces are fighting face to face with the Russians when there's a big uh, dramatic situation like the Severodonetsk pocket. And when that town fell after days and days and days of back and forth fighting and then the battle in Lachansk and then the Lachansk pocket fell, you know, the news media could go with this narrative that things were grim. Uh, but one of the things that they don't do very well is think. And it's it may have been grim. It did look grim, but there was a strategy behind all of this. And that was, as President Zelensky put it, when they ordered the evacuation of Lachance, we let them have two towns at the cost of thousands of men and hundreds of vehicles. And, it, and as he, he ended with, oh, we'll get those towns back, but they're not going to get those men and vehicles back. So the Ukrainian strategy was to allow them to butt their heads with all the force that they have, lose equipment, manpower. But in the end, the Ukrainians are going to win this thing. That may have been Russia's last greatest gasp in this war, the last bit of offensive power. And they don't have a lot in terms of defensive power. But as we saw, the American weapon system, the high mobility multiple rocket launch system, the HIMARS, and the M270 multiple rocket launch system are now devastating the Russians. There's only eight of them there. And they're already having a dramatic impact on everything that's happening. I mean, they're hitting ammunition dumps that were completely out of reach. So when you blow up all their ammunition, it makes it a little harder to have any offensive or even defensive power. You can only shoot with what you have in your pocket. So... <clears throat> It's gotten so bad that the Russian armed forces today said that they are going to be 
targeting all of these long range weapon systems because they're having too big a material effect on their ability to, to conduct war. And that of course is going to work to the Ukrainians advantage. So it's stabilized, it's not as bad as it looked when we were losing a hundred men a day on the battlefront, but you know they, they were holding down 80% of the Russian forces in Ukraine in one area. And that was significant. You say we, you're not Ukrainian. But you uh, apparently are going back over there to fight for their freedom. Sure. Uh, I'm not Ukrainian, but they made the call for assistance from the international community. And I'm one of of I'm just one soldier from 56 countries that are members of the International Legion for the Territorial Defense of Ukraine. And, you know, what's happening in Ukraine? I call it the Eastern Wall or the Eastern Theater in the battle to defend democracy. Mm. But every once in a while, I turn around, I look back home and I go, what the heck is going on back there, right? The Western wall is starting to crumble. And this book, which I finished a year ago, is just coming out now. And it turns out it was fortuitously, you know, came out at the same time as the January 6th committee. But it's not, it didn't stop at January 6th. You know, I wrote this, started this book before January 6th. We have a long haul to go. And this oh book goodness. is going to tell you how bad it could get. As as I'm reading it, I'm thinking race war, Charles Manson. You, of course, bring in Timothy McVeigh. And I, I'm. I, it's all race. It's all it's like I'm reading Nazis versus uh, uh, gangsters versus Nazis. It's all race, and and it and it shows up as Nazis. It shows up as Vikings. It shows up as Russians. Uh, excuse me, Russians. Yes, Romans. Uh, Proud Boys, Boogaloo Boys. All, but it's all about maintaining this whiteness and and the fragility of that because it is a made up construct is inevitable, right? Yeah, this is absolutely, without any question, a war of white supremacy. And the thing is, it's not a war of white supremacy on just Blacks, Hispanics, Latinos, and Jews. It's a, and it's a war on women. It's a war on anyone who does not believe that there should be a white nationalist race, what they call race traitors. That phrase is coming back into the norm. Uh, they believe that, you know, many people, when the time comes, when the storm is upon them, that people who cooperate, who are white, uh, who protect the rights of blacks and others should be branded race traitors and hung from nooses on light poles. This is a fantasy. Many of them harbor, right? Day of the noose or the storm as the T, um, what is it? The QAnon ideology calls it. The day that every liberal is rounded up and put through trials or just summarily executed. Mm. This was insane four years ago. Now that insanity is motivating and is the main force of the Republican Party because their base has been completely taken over by the QAnon cult and the Trump cult. So what do, what do we do? You know, as you point out so aptly, and this is chilling, you know, they are 50 to 100 times more armed you point out, uh, I believe, chapter six or, or six, uh, the police, the, like one in five military people, uh, one in four, uh, pol- you know, at the Capitol. There were a couple of police officers that were also among those that uh, stormed the Capitol. Numerous. This they're, they're, they're in our government, of course. Um, so the most of us who live our lives thinking this could never happen, you know, 
this this is not it's not that bad. It's just a handful of nut jobs. <clears throat> what is it that we need to know? And then how do we protect ourselves? Well, the number one way you protect yourself is to understand that this November we are having an election, which is an election. Uh, let me put it this way, an existential election. If the House of Representatives or the Senate or both falls, it is the end of American democracy. They have made it eminently clear what they plan on doing. They've said they will impeach Joe Biden every week, Kamala Harris, Supreme Court justices, anyone that opposed them. The Republicans will put Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene in charge of committees. And she just said yesterday, um, Lauren Boebert, that they will, they will go after and prosecute every person who took part in the investigation of the January 6th committee. This is a police state they're talking about. And this is what we I warned about in the pre-election 2020. They and their armed supporters will think that they are the brown shirts. They are the unofficial armed in, um, how can I put it? The unofficial armed wing of the Trump insurgency. And that they'll be able to come out on the streets and cops won't stop them. They will run government. Only this time there won't be any governing. It will be ruling over 65% of the American public with force at their fingertips. Now, of course, we wouldn't do that. We don't do that. You know, the average person, the average progressive, the average, you know, center-right Republican, they don't think like that. You are not dealing with center-right Republicans here. You are dealing with Titus, the Trump insurgents in the United States. These are the people that believe they are part of a tribe. Donald Trump is their tribal chief. And whatever he says goes. And if they think that, you know, finally time to use their AR-15s, and start mass murdering people or taking over government buildings or trying to seize armories, I suspect they'll do it. You, um, you aptly laid us out uh, as, you're, as you're saying this. For those who say, Malcolm Nance, you've gone too far. Remind folk, remind folk that you predicted Trump like masterfully that you predicted Russia, you know, doing all of the hacking and, and all of that misinformation campaign. Just give us a little reminder of the things that you wrote about before they happened. Oh my God. Just a little, yeah, just my, a little. My, my Nanstradamus phase. Yes. Well, you know, I, 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 the funny thing is, is that I actually commented on air about many of these things. There was that rumor in January or February, 2016, that the Russians had 20,000 of Hillary Clinton's emails. And I actually went on air with Chris Matthews on Hardball. And I said, there's no way this story is true. The only way this story is in the media is the Russians released it to this little blog and they want the media to run with it. And within a month, it was in Fox News's hands. Judge Napolitano was saying the Russians have Hillary Clinton's emails. And it was all part of an operation to get Donald Trump elected. And, it, and I went on air and said that. And I know that when I said that on July 25th, when I said this is a Russian intelligence operation to win the election for Donald Trump, people went at me hard. News media people, well, do you have evidence for that? And I'm like, hey, the evidence is there. I'm a spy. This is an intelligence operation. Two days later, Trump goes, Russia, if you're listening, Get me the 30,000 Hillary Clinton emails, which was the story we had all heard back at, not we, 
a few of us had heard back in January and it had trickled his way up to Trump to the point where he believed it. Then the Russians started hacking for him. I mean, you know, I could go all day about stuff that I said that I was right about and that the news media is relatively slow about. I mean, I wrote Plot to Hack America in five weeks and got it out six weeks before the election. And the next book on the Trump-Russia scandal took 26 months to come after that. And it was written by two journalists. So as one person said, a long, slow read of Plot to Hack America, two years too late. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, I'm not here to pat myself on the back. This no. book, They Want to Kill Americans, is a warning. You need to buy it. Your listeners need to read yes. it. And a lot of it, I'm afraid to say, keep it on hand because it may end up being the manual and the playbook you'll want to reference when one of those critical events happens. Was January 6th a trial balloon to see what they could get away with? <clears throat> no. Okay. January 6th. And I wrote extensively about mm -hmm. this because I had started this book before January 6th. And we started seeing the Oath Keepers, the Proud Boys, um, the 3% Militia coordinate in November and December 2020. And it was clear that they were getting together to mobilize a force of people larger than them, but they wanted to be the leaders and the people that would steer the direction of all of these angry Americans. And they were. It wasn't a trial balloon. It was a failed trial balloon, a failed balloon. But now they know how to do it. You know, January 6th, now is a template, but I, they're not going to come back to the Capitol. They're not going to do that again. They will go to every state Capitol. I was going to go to the friendly state capitals and they will take them over and the governor will come and support them and maybe turn the state troopers out the side with them. Or when the National Guard is sent in, order the National Guard to stay on the side of the armed protesters. That right there is where you get civil war. So we already have, as I mentioned before you came, Texas, which is a state ruled by the minority. Georgia, which right now is a state ruled by the minority of the people. Florida, ruled by no. the minority. Um, and so as we go through, you, you're, you're setting the table. Those governors are very friendly. Yes. And they want to be ruled. You know, you use the phrase ruled by the minority. The phrase you should really use is, rule over the majority. Mm. They are using their governorships to lord over people. This is like Game of Thrones now, okay? When our army reaches your place, we you comply and surrender, we just kill everybody, period. Well, in this particular instance, these people believe that as 30% of the population, they, can, they will control the outcomes for the other 60%, 65%, of the country because 40% or let me rephrase that 50% of the electorate is too lazy, tired, busy, and non-involved to come out. And our job is to mobilize 10 or 20% of that. If we had 10% of the people that didn't vote in 2020, this would be a massive wave election. And some groups like Indivisible and others go, oh, we're only gonna do vote mobilization and turn out the vote. That's not where you get the votes. You get the votes by educating people well in advance that it is going to hurt for them if the Republicans win. Social Security, Medicare, 
free guns for everybody, right? I mean, it the is environment. To- we already impact. see Joe Joe Manchin uh, was like, nope, I I like this coal, and uh, I don't care about the climate because I'm old anyway. And get ten percent more. We we would have four or five Democratic senators. We can we can allow them Kirsten Sinema and him to go join the Republicans where they belong. But you know, and 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 or get them to the point where they have no power and they have to beg us for favors. This is entirely on the Democrats' ability, not just the Democrats, independents, uh, you know, uh, Republicans who love their country, or as I call them, it's incumbent upon the real Americans, the rest of Americans, to finally show that this is it. This election, you need to have a turnout bigger than 2020. But because don't forget, 81 million people turned out in 2020 to vote against Donald Trump and for Joe Biden. But most of them, uh, many of them did not vote down ticket. And we lost 15 seats in the House of Representatives and came within six seats of losing control because people wouldn't tick down. We could wipe away all of these right wing one state assemblies if you vote for the Democrats in your district for every position from dog catcher to president. And we can win. Turner Diaries makes a very large um, place in they want to kill Americans. And I was wondering, is that. (sighs) Turner Diaries are back. Yeah. Should we be reading that, too, as the blueprint in addition to reading they want to kill Americans? No, because it's all in my book and my book shows you how it's integrated. Okay. Timothy McVeigh blew up the Murrah building in Oklahoma City because he thought it would instill do two things, get revenge for Waco, and two, incite the race war the Turner Diaries promised him. He thought people in the military would get their rifles and recognize it as the go signal and start mass murdering all the black soldiers and black people on the streets and to start hanging Jews and white people who cooperate with them or who have their friends, start hanging them from street posts. The terrorist group, the order that was supposed to be in there, that it people formed the order a few years later, uh, to act as a terrorist group, exactly as written in there. Now, granted, you know they don't have an atomic bomb, which is how the book ends, right? The the uh, the guy Nate Turner takes his atomic bomb and blows up Washington D.C. and the Pentagon. But there are people out there who view all of this as a template. If Timothy McVeigh did what he did in the post period of the insurrection, he would have an internship at Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene's office. He would not be convicted as a mass murderer. Wow. Wow. These people now have changed. They embrace their murderous heroes. Not just Kyle Rittenhouse, the Uvalde shooter and others. There will be young white shooters who will use the exact same Norwegian template to tell people what kind of body armor they carried. How did they load their magazines? What number of bullets did they have? Why did they choose this model of AR-15 with this kind of stock? and this kind of optic before they carried out their mass murders. It is now a template for Mm. white supremacist murder. I know you're right. Let's not forget the Buffalo murderer uh, as well, uh, who, who, but for his body armor would be dead because the uh, security guard shot him, uh, but it bounced off. Uh, Malcolm Nance is here. His book, They Want to Kill Americans, scared me. Uh, because I know it's true. Uh, I thought, you know, I was thinking Charles Manson, who looked crazy with the swastika in the middle of his forehead, thought he could, you know, kill Sharon Tate and start a race war. That was so ridiculous. But we are actually in a place right now where this 
people are looking for it. And then I was, I was listening because I, I downloaded it on Audible. I was thinking was Ahmaud Arbery, you know, it was like, you know, is that like, let's, let's kill black people. Let's just kill black people. You're not supposed to be in my neighborhood. Like where, where is it going to be? Well, you know, when I chose the title, they want to kill Americans. A friend of mine said, well, who's they? And I said, well, it's quite simple. They are your neighbors. And I find this fascinating because this week in right-wing extremist propaganda, the right-wingers started attacking me in this book and saying, this man wants you to start fighting other Americans. It's, it's, it's topsy-turvy Orwellian speak where they're planning on killing people. They, have, they constantly say, we have the guns. We outnumber you. We outman you. And then when it's called out, the first thing they do is they create a false narrative that you're calling for violence. I mean, this is crazy. But you know what they do? Now they go and they start talking to each other about, and, and the first person, by the way, to come back and say something on Twitter was like, well, this is why we have guns and we're getting together. And it's like, you just proved my point, <laughs> you know? But then you have all these losers out there who are influencers. And I'm amazed at how many absolute criminal uh, vet, ex-veterans who were kicked out of the service, Jack Posobiec, my favorite, right? Um, who are their spokespeople, who make the, who, who they think speak for them in this act that, you know, where they're sitting around talking about killing people, you know, taking back America. Well, America's not lost. What's lost is your crazy vision of it. Again, Malcolm Nance, um, as you, as I was, again, I, I live in New Jersey and uh, I feel like maybe my neighborhood is safe, but you know, uh, I don't know if I get pulled over by police, if he's part of this, I don't know what military person might be part of this. You know, there's a lot of people who go into wow. the military. Like we don't, you, like you said, your neighbor, uh, I see some Black Lives Matter signs still on people's lawns, but is it? Are you being subversive? I don't know. You know, it's like it has made it, well, it has made us really paranoid. When I say us, I mean me. And I really, I want everyone to be safe. But this, I, I believe you. You can't be street level paranoid. Okay, the guy who's the cop who might be involved in this is not going to do it in uniform when he pulls you over, right? When they're operating in the field. They have structures, they have body camps, they have things, and it may come off that they become a little surly or whatever. I'm talking about the people that are plotting in secret, waiting for something, as they call it, the go signal, right? Or as they like to ask themselves, what is our breaking point? I see that all the time in their forums. What's it going to take for us to get up and rise up? And it's like they're all sitting around looking at each other, waiting for someone to do something so that they can go up and you know carry out a civil war. And that's the beauty of the January 6th insurrection as far as they're concerned. Trump told them to do it. Many people have tried to use that excuse in court. Did not help them. <coughs> what do you think is gonna happen? Um, do you think uh, the Democrats are gonna hold the fort in 2022? Was, give, give, me, give me some, some Nanstradamus. Well, not with the numbers that they have that Joe Biden has right now. And the reason Joe Biden has bad numbers is twofold. One, Democrats can't be satisfied about anything. They can't be. 
I mean, just the slightest blink and they start running from people. The only reason Joe Biden has a 33 percent approval rating is because 40 percent of Democrats are against him because they didn't get their little toy du jour. Right. They didn't get criminal justice reform. I don't like him. They didn't get, you know, um, reform on on uh, the Supreme Court. I don't like him. Suddenly, here's what you're not going to like. You're not going to like what's coming this November. These people are not joking about coming for you. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, the Democrats are all you have left standing between you and serious civil war level trouble. And you think it's interesting and exciting right now. And there's a lot of journalists out there that would prefer to have Donald Trump and the Republicans in power because of the interesting things that they saw and the dilemmas that they presented. That boring, regular old running the United States government competently is not something people want to see because it's not interesting. It's like that scene in the movie Idiocracy, right? Where um, the cops intercept this car and they start shooting on it. And the guy who escaped runs back to the to this crowd because he likes seeing the shooting too. But it's his car, they were shooting at him. <laughs> I mean, this is where we're, we are. We're, we're at that point. I, I know that you have to go, but I want to make sure you come back before November, before the midterms, because- oh, yeah. We need we need a blueprint. Malcolm Nance put it in the book. So read the book. They want to kill Americans. Thank you so much uh, for doing the work that you do and for just being badass and be safe out there. I know you're going back to Ukraine. We're going to pray for you. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.